and walked around and saw the place. And it, and it looks like, you know, one of those movies where, where, you know, some alien invaded and the whole place like frozen in time and at a particular point, you know, there's, there's, there's phones, there's phone books open. There's, there's picture, you know, water pictures on a, on a uh, night table next to a bed, things like that. Uh, glasses. Um, you know, it's like the, whatever this, the scourge came, all the people disappeared and everything was left standing where it was. And the Neville especially looks like that. And, it, you know, it's really sad, it, it, you know, and it's been vandalized and been raided over the years. But. Welcome to Inside the Line, the Catskills. Welcome, everyone. We are live. This is episode four, The Borscht Belt with Steve Aaron. Today, we're talking about the great Borscht Belt in the Catskills, um, the Southern Catskills mostly. But if you haven't heard of the Borscht Belt, please look into it. It's definitely a great thing. We'll be going over the logistics of it tonight, and we'll be going over some of Steve's stories of his uh, experiences down in the Borscht Belt. So uh, you having anything to to drink tonight besides water? Just water, Stash. I'm... uh kind of a clean living guy in my old age yeah yeah i got a, i got a simple rum and coke here i had just yeah, nice. i've been running around all day I've, i think i got hold on thirty nine thousand one hundred and forty two te- steps today wow yeah it's, it's been a long day that's impressive yeah um i would like to give a shout out to my friend and uh fellow co-worker estefan for calling me out on my drink last uh, week saying that my 1911 was not a beer it was a hard cider and uh thank you estefan for pointing that out and yelling in my face it was actually very funny steve any hikes since uh since like last couple weeks anything uh, i was at earlier this week over in uh, harriman state park and did a uh, a nice little you know, fun, about six mile loop uh with my dog and sort of the the central part of the uh, park Started on the long path um, at Lake Scanatati and hit a couple other trails. Got off the long path real quick. Um, hit some iron mines in the area. Then uh, spent a fair amount of the hike on the Ramapo Dunderberg Trail, which in Harriman, that's a, that's a nice long one. It's like 24 miles or something from uh, uh, starts down by Suffering and goes all the way up to Dunderberg Mountain on the Hudson. And I believe that was if not the first, but one of the first trails uh, built in Harriman State Park um, 101 years ago, and that's sort of where the uh, New York, New Jersey Trail Conference got started uh, with that particular trail. So that, that's uh, it's kind of cool to be on that trail. It's uh, one of the granddaddies of Harriman. And then uh, we veered off that and picked up the long path for a mile or two um, below um, Hogan Camp Mountain and then along the shore of Lake Scanatati and sort of closed the loop where we started. So it was real nice. Yeah, there's some uh, pretty cool remains of iron mines in Harriman. There's some nice exposed rock on this hike. There was a giant erratic that probably was like 20 feet tall. It was like amazing. I took a picture of it, but I couldn't get my dog in the picture for scale. So, you know, the picture looks like a giant rock, but the the thing was huge. It's just gigantic. So. So it's fun, you know. Yeah, I love. I love the. I mean, I haven't been to Harriman, but I've been to Ramapo. We do some SAR uh, drills there with the New Jersey Search and Rescue, and uh, that place is it's it's really it's really odd. It looks like uh, it's a well, a lot of bare rock, flat bare rock all over the place, and it's just it's yeah. really cool seeing all that glacier stuff that pushed it off. And there's barely any trees because it's all been like forested. It's very close. I didn't know how close it was to the city, and it's very close to the city, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah it's pretty neat. There's there's a, a neat spot near um, Ramapo Forest over there, or whatever it's called, and you, you climb to the top of it, and you get a, a, a straight-ahead view to uh, Midtown Manhattan. So it's, it's a pretty cool spot where you're, you know, you're pretty much in the woods. You're on this bare rock at the top of a small mountain, and you look southeast, and you're looking right at Manhattan, all the skyscrapers and everything. Yeah. I've actually, I, I think I've been to that point um, when we had to do a, a, a grid search. I found it and I was like yelling to people. I'm like, look, you can see Manhattan. And I'm like, look at that. It, it's, you could see everything. And they're just like laughing. I'm like, I live, I live in the middle of nowhere. We don't see skyscrapers at all. 
Yeah, no, it's pretty cool. You're in the middle of the woods, and then you can see the you know the biggest uh, city in the country from there. Yeah, it's it definitely neat. is. Excellent. Yeah, I did uh, Tuesday. I did I did Mount Tremper with a friend for his uh, his patch for the fire towers. Um, he's still got two more to go, but we went from the Willow Trail uh, up to Willow Creek, and then we we hit Tremper, and it was it was stunning. It's a longer hike, seven point eight miles, but beautiful, perfect day, seventy degrees, little wind here and there fluffy clouds all over the place and that view on tremper is is absolutely phenomenal yeah it, it looked great i saw some of the photos you posted on facebook and uh you know i was wondering where you were um figuring you were somewhere around there because you're you know you're looking in all different directions at at a lot of catskill landmarks looking uh i guess northeast towards uh overlook and platic hill and indian head and then looking south to the burroughs range and uh, you know you're right in the middle yeah. of everything it was really nice Took some nice pictures. They look like a great hike. You know what? It's really funny about that that mountain is it's only like 27, 2800 feet, but the placements of the trailheads gains a lot in that little time. It's crazy how uh, how much gain yeah. it has and how much it puts you to work. But it's an excellent if you if you've never been that way, definitely go. It's cool uh, cliffs when you're walking along it. Uh, it's an old old I'm guessing forested road, old log road that brings you up to the trail. And it's less pain in the ass than the other side of Tremper where you're coming in from Phoenicia where it has all the rocks, the loose rocks and everything like that. So actually a great hike. Yeah, that's that's good to know. I haven't been on Tremper yet. So um, yeah, that's one of those that I've missed. So that that's good to know. And uh, that spot, Willow, where, you know, down in the valley there is really kind of a cool spot. It, it, you're down there on that road and it gives you the illusion you're surrounded 360 degrees by mountains just sort of the way the uh, the stream bends and stuff it's it's really a sweet little spot when you're when you're just down there in that valley cuz you're really it feels like you're literally surrounded by mountains so it's kind of fun definitely i agree with you on that one definitely got some catskill news um i forgot this but on saturday there was a search and rescue call out for us in the catskill mountain search and rescue team there was an injured hiker over on Wittenberg, um, and the rangers gave us a call, and we're going to haul him down the mountain on a litter and get him out safely, but they decided uh, that it would be better to get a helicopter in there and hoist him out on a, uh, a winch and get him out of there by helicopter faster. That I got to admit, we would have had to summit Wittenberg and then carry the litter down from Wittenberg to Woodland Valley, and that would have been one hell of a, a, a litter carryout, especially I think there was like six rangers and seven of us. So that would have been a really tough, tough night. I got to, I'm a gotta admit, I'm kind of glad I drove all the way down there. And probably the last five minutes, I got called by my chief saying that the, the helicopter's coming in. I don't need you. And I was just like, well, I'm going to come anyway and we'll talk. <laughs> and right after that, we went up actually to Giant Ledge and did a night hike and we got to see the the lit fire towers, uh, which was absolutely phenomenal. And the stars I'm on, I mean, Steve, wow. if you have a chance to ever do some astrophotography, giant ledge is the place. Yeah, I'll bet it's better. It, it is absolutely with, with, with nothing. There's absolutely nothing around you. We saw like, I think we saw headlamps in, uh, in Woodland Valley, but that's it. And wow. It was magical. Clear as day. Uh, the, the stars were, were popping everywhere and it was just absolutely phenomenal. Wow. Must've been great. Yeah. Sounds nice. Yeah. But definitely it was a, it was a, it was good. We were all nervous for the, the SAR carry out, but you now they didn't need us. So uh, hopefully we gained the uh, more of the, the Rangers trust. And uh, I think we did. I think the Rangers are, are ready to give us some more calls if they need us. So we're, we're excited. Um, all right. So uh we're going to give you a history of what, what the Borscht Belt was right now. We're going to jump right into, usually I, I do a Catskills history time and then I do a topic of the night, but we're just going to go right into the, the Catskills history because that's what this is all about. I'm going to tell you about the Borscht Belt, you know, what it is and stuff. And then Steve's going to come in, introduce himself, and we'll talk about his experiences in the great Borscht Belt. So um, let's begin. So the Borscht Belt, or called the Jewish Alps, was a summer place resort in the Catskill Mountains in parts of Sullivan, Orange, and Ulster County in upstate New York. But I remember hearing that parts of Delaware County and parts of Oxego County had some sort of Jewish resorts up there. They started as early as the 1890s in the great, beautiful town of Tannersville, but started to definitely get more popular in the 1920s. 
The visits to the area were mostly by Jewish families already underway uh, in the 1890s. But in the 1920s, there was hundreds of hotels in its heyday. As many as 500 resorts catered to the to guests of various incomes. Um, Steve will be talking about this. The levels of incomes would be like A, B, C, and D and stuff like that. It's really, really neat stuff. I never knew about this until Steve told me about this. These resorts, but they had, they also had bungalow colonies, were a popular vacation spot for the, the Jewish people of New York City. Dating into the 1960s and some of the places even went into the 1990s. Um, they weren't as popular as they were, but... They still survived. In the 1920s and the 1930s, some hotels and resorts uh, up north had advertisements refusing to accept Jews and indicated no Hebrews or consumptives in their ads. And this is what started basically the, the big rise of the Borscht Belt. Jewish people needed places to, to go and they wanted to go to the Catskills where it's absolutely stunning. One report states that the largest hotels provided Friday night and holiday services as well as kosher cooking. At the hotels, uh, Steve will tell you about this. Food was the most primary importance. Um, there was a sense that too much is not enough. And I can't disagree with them on this one because I definitely love going to the resorts and getting massive amounts of foods and eating my life away. Go down to Jamaica and that's that's what it is about. It's about the food and the beach. And this was about the food in the mountains. So I can't blame them. As Jonathan Sarner writes, where I, I heard in Wikipedia, uh, to understand the emphasis of food, one has to understand hunger. Immigrants had memories of hunger in the Catskills, and the food seemed limitless. Some of the hotels, the bigger hotels like Grossinger's, Concord's, Kutchner's, Neville Grand Hotel, and the Grand Hotels were bigger and more popular. Massive hotels that some places, like the Concord, had 1,500 rooms. Their dinner rooms, which was the most important place in these hotels and motels, uh, held over 3,000 people in the Concord, which is absolutely insane. By the late 1950s, uh, many began closing, and most were all gone by the 1970s. But some some majors stayed alive. Uh, Grossinger's uh, stayed up till 1986, and the Concord Hotel stayed until 1998, and then closed down. But it is really Steve will once again talk. Steve and I will talk about how crazy it was, how it rised, and then just shut down. Not not would say instantly, but very quickly. So a lot of these these places would accommodate up to 150,000 guests per year. But the start of the decline was in the late 1960s. Uh, railways began cutting service. The popularity of air travel increased, and the younger generation of Jewish Americans chose other leisure destinations. And another funny thing that I heard, and it apparently is true, is that air conditioning started playing a role in people not wanting to go up to the Catskills and escape the, the city heat, which is phenomenal. Uh, I could understand that because when I go to, when I'm in Oneonta, I got to admit, driving Oneonta and then driving down the Catskills, I feel some cool crisp air. Coming back to Oneonta later in the day, and it's like 80 degrees when it was 70 degrees down the Catskills. So I do not blame them for doing this, but amazing time in Catskills history. And one of the most amazing times in Catskills history is the Borscht Belt. And we're going to definitely talk about that tonight with uh, a Facebook friend of mine, Steve Aaron. So I, I basically got all this this info basically from Wikipedia and a amazing book. And it's called The Catskills, Its History and How It Changed America by Stephen M. Silverman and Raphael D. Silver. Check it out. Gives you everything from beginning the Catskills to today's day of, of just basically hiking and tourism. But I am going to introduce my friend Steve Aaron. He is a Catskill native, a uh, Borschbelt native, and he is also an amazing photographer of the Catskills. Steve, how's it going? Pretty good stuff. Thanks for having me. It's uh, it's great to be here. It's it's awesome to have you. Trust me, uh, this is, like I said, was one of my favorite topics uh, besides the plane crashes episode that I, I did last week. Uh, the Borschbelt is seriously an amazing topic, and I'm glad to have you. So uh, give us a little background about yourself, Steve. Okay, I'm a... Born and raised native of Ellenville, New York, which is one of the bigger towns in the uh, former Borscht Belt region in the Catskills. I, I guess you could say Ellenville and uh, the surrounding areas were kind of the Ulster County section of the Borscht Belt, sort of uh, the, the valley running from uh, Spring Glen, Ellenville, up to about Kerhonks and Accord or so was pretty much the Ulster County corner of the Borscht Belt, uh, adjacent to Sullivan County, of course, and uh, where all the other famous uh, Borscht Belt towns and, and uh, resorts were, you know, Monticello, uh, where the Concord was just 
outside of Monticello. Uh, Grossinger's was right outside of Liberty. A bunch of hotels in Fallsburg and uh, Woodridge and, and all those uh, Sullivan County Borscht Belt towns. So anyway, I'm uh, born and raised, as I said, in Ellenville. Grew up in the Borscht Belt as a uh, little kid in the 1960s. I could see the uh, probably peak Borscht Belt activity at that time where in the summer, Ellenville was a boom town. There, this, the streets were clogged with people on the sidewalks. The roads were clogged with traffic. Uh, it took, a, it took you know, it, there was the Ellenville version of the traffic jam, and it took a long time to get through town a lot of times in the summer. Town was full of businesses, including a business owned by my family. I remember as a kid, my dad keeping his store open at night in the summer, keeping his store open on Sunday morning. So he, he was putting in... Uh, you know, six and a half days a week, and many of those were long days into the evening. So uh, summertime in Ellenville in the 60s was booming. Uh, by the early 70s, things kind of started uh, settling down and uh, declining. But the Borscht Belt was still running pretty good through the 70s, I could say. By the time I became a teenager in the mid-70s, I started working at the Neville, which is just outside of Ellenville, and I worked, uh, started out working in the ski shop, putting rental skis on guests, and then moved over to the uh, photography business, working in the dining room, uh, taking photos of uh, guests at night. And then Saturday morning and again Sunday morning, we'd go over to uh, the guy's house and take all the photos and put them in little frames and peepers and get everything ready for display and go back to the hotel and sell pictures to guests um, as they were going to breakfast and lunch on Saturday and Sunday. So so that was a lot of fun. Really got a sense of uh, what was going on in, in a big, fancy resort like the Neville, uh walking around the dining room every Friday night and Saturday night as one of the house photographers. And uh, you'd go up to each table and, good evening, I'm taking color photos of everyone in the dining room. Sir, if you put your arm around the lady, and, and typically they they lean over and uh, put his arm around his wife. It, at almost at, at least every other table, there was one wise guy who's put his arm around his buddy's wife instead of his wife, and everybody would crack up. But you saw, you know, twenty times a night, uh, two nights on a weekend, and and every weekend you worked, you saw that same joke. It was just kind of fun. <laughs> uh, but uh, got a real sense of of what happened in the dining room where. You know, every table had a waiter, every table had a busboy, and these guys were hustling through each meal, uh, bringing, bringing whatever the guests want. And, and these people were eating, you know, two or three main courses, you know, whether it's, you know, steak on steak on Friday night or prime rib on Saturday night. You know, some of these guys would eat, you know, two or three of these prime ribs or something. It was just crazy, crazy gluttony. And, uh, you know, there are, there are other uh, lighter fare, but... But boy, it was like steak and prime rib and chicken. So, so it was a lot of eating, uh, a lot of home baked uh, cakes and pies for dessert, and uh, it was really quite quite the scene. The dining room in the hotel. So, one one question, uh, Steve. Um, being that this, this place they they ate so much food, were, were they all inclusive? I'm guessing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely all. Yeah, it was it was just bottomless pit of food, really. If you wanted it, you know, pretty fun. Um, later on, as I got older, I, I moved over to uh, the Fallsview Hotel, which was adjacent to the Neville. In fact, the Neville and the Fallsview were both founded by the same family. And at one point, um, I think the father and father and one son kept the Fallsview, and another son was given the Neville property. And, and the two resorts uh, developed parallel to each other, side by side, essentially on adjacent property. Uh, the Neville is probably twice as big as the Fallsview. But both places were all inclusive, full of, um, you know, evening entertainment, uh, whether it was music or comedy, full service dining rooms, full service uh, sports and activities, pools and uh, arts and crafts and entertainment during the day and tennis and golf and, you know, all that stuff. So they both had really, really nice golf courses. Both the Neville had a beautiful 18 hole course. Fallsview had a, uh, a beautiful nine hole course set back behind the hotel, right up against the uh, Schwalung Bridge. So really beautiful setting. So it's, it's kind of weird to see them now. Uh, the Neville Golf Course has has been uh, ignored and neglected probably for 10 to 15 years. So you can see how quickly uh, a manicured intended golf course uh, reverts back to a natural state pretty quickly. It's, it's kind of interesting, really. 
I was just I was actually just looking at the maps. I was I was curious of where this was, and it looks like I can see the on the Google Maps that you can definitely see where the Neville is now called Honors Avon Retreat and Conference. Yeah, that was uh, the Foster View became uh, on, Honors Haven. Um, that that place is still in business. The Foster View was sold, and um, somebody bought it and kept it going as a viable business. So it's still. Um, uh, an active hotel. It's no longer a uh, ethnic Jewish resort. It's more a health and holistic type of uh, experience, I believe. I haven't been there in quite a while, but it still looks good. The Neville, on the other hand, is is essentially uh, abandoned. There was a time where there was hope that uh, one of the um, Catskill gambling casinos would be located at the site of the Neville, but that did not pan out. Uh, the casino was built on the site of the Concord. And that's the only casino they granted to the Catskills. So um, the Neville is currently abandoned. It is decaying and deteriorating pretty quickly and significantly. I believe there's interest in by a, a real estate firm out of New York to purchase the Neville is what I've heard, which would be great. I'm not quite sure if that's uh, true, and I'm not quite sure what the plans are for that, but that is the rumor. Yeah, I can I can see on the map that the uh the Neville was. It looks like it's it's southwest of uh, where the Falls View was, right? Uh, yeah. Google Maps, you can actually definitely see stuff is decaying. You're correct. That's so that's so sad. It looks it looks awesome the way the way that it's shaped it looks really cool. But yeah, so uh, how about your experiences uh, down in the Borscht Belt? Uh, you know, as even as uh, as a photographer, that's and you said you were uh, a bellhop, correct? Yeah, I was. I, I worked. Uh... During my college years, I worked as a uh, bellhop at the Falls Loop uh, several summers. And that was a lot of fun, you know, uh, unloading people's bags, bringing them up to their room, parking their cars for them, and then doing the same at checkout. But during the time when guests were in the hotel and um, they weren't checking in or checking out, you were, you were available uh, to help them in, in whatever they need, whether it's bringing ice to their room or giving them a ride into Ellenville if they wanted to go into town for something or, you know, whatever anyone needed. And basically uh, it, it's a real um, tip type of culture there. So basically, you know, you pretty much would do anything for a buck as a, as a hungry college kid. And, and, and it, you know, that it turned out to be pretty decent money and it turned out to be actually a lot of fun to do too. Yeah. They were, they were good people to work with most of them. Excellent. And uh, so, uh, how much percentage wise to the people of uh of your the hotels you were working at would would you say was was jewish um the the uh customer base at the hotels was predominantly jewish probably i'll guess and say 90% especially during the the peak uh summer season where people come for a weekend or a week or a couple of weeks or a month and some people for the whole july and august summer a very very strong Jewish uh, population among the clientele there, not a hundred percent, but uh, it was up there. Yeah, uh, during the off season, you know, before summer actually started, they would they would do a nice convention business, and that was a more uh, uh, diverse clientele. Excellent, excellent. Um, what about your uh, your photography? That's that's amazing to uh, get that experience of photography. And I remember you saying that that developed into your your current stage of photography. Correct. Yeah, well, you know, so as a kid, I was uh, interested in photography. My dad was uh, a hobbyist and did black and white photography at a local art center up in Mombacus up there near uh, Kerhoxen. So he was really into it. So I took a uh, photography class in high school and learned black and white film photography and darkroom techniques and all that stuff. So so I was really into it, and, and it really got me started on, on land, my interest in landscape photography because, first and foremost, it's a beautiful area there uh, where Ellenville is located. It, it sits right there in, in the valley between the, the, the Schwangunks to the east, which, which just, you know, it's just a wall, an eastern wall uh, separating Ellenville from the world. And then to the west are uh, essentially the Catskill foothills, you know, certainly not the high peaks, but the foothills that are that are kind of south and east of things like like Peak Moose and Table and 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 uh, the Shokan High Point. You know, for for landmarks in terms of uh, for hikers. But being in that valley, there's a whole lot of beauty in there. The Gunks, first of all, are 
you know, acre for acre in terms of uh, amount of effort it takes to get to spectacular scenery, it, it's hard to beat the gunks. Um, between the cliffs and the waterfalls and the ravines and, and the vistas, it's just uh, the Schwangunks are near and dear to my heart, and they're really a very, very special place. And, and then on, on the western slopes, you have the Catskill foothills with, with uh, quite a few waterfalls. The geology is different between the Catskills and the Gunks. There's about 50 million year difference. The Gunks are true mountains where the rock layers are folded and tilted upward, where the Catskills are essentially um, eroded plateau, as everyone knows, right? Uh, right, about, right. 50, about 50 million years younger than than the Gunks. But because um, the, uh, the land is different, the rocks are different, the soil is different, the vegetation is also different. The trees are bigger and taller and more broad on the Catskill side. Um, on the gunk side, the, the, the trees are different, a lot more oaks, some maples, and then that scrub pine up on, on top. The waterfalls coming out of both sides, the water coming out of the gunks is, is crystal, crystal clear with almost a, a, a tint of blue to it. Whereas the water coming out of the Catskills is, all, is just as clean but it's not as visually clear. It's more brown. It's it's got a lot of uh, like plateau top sediment dissolved in it, as it makes you know. So it, it gets a lot of like um, decaying plants and stuff up in the swamps, up at the plateau top, and then works its way down the streams. And and before they all the, each one of those streams before they hit the valley floor, there is a waterfall there. So Ellenville Ellenville is like the land of of waterfalls. If you know where to go to find them, it's it's kind of cool. So getting back to your long answer to your question, it was a beautiful spot. And as a kid taking pictures, you know, I knew where to go, a few of the places, and went and took pictures of, of some of these beautiful uh, scenic landscapes. Excellent. Now, um, when you were, were, did you ever visit like any other of the, the grand hotels along the Borscht Belt during your times uh, and experience during the Borscht Belt times? Yeah, sure. Uh, certainly, I, you know, I worked at the Nebuli, I worked at the Fallsview, I I worked briefly at another hotel just over the Sullivan County line called the Homoac. Just west of Ellenville was uh, the Tamarack. I went up there. I had friends who worked there and friends' parents who worked there. Uh, north of Ellenville was the Granite. I think you mentioned that in your introduction. That was up in Kerhonkson, sort of uh, just below Minnewaska Park, the current Minnewaska Park. Um, so I definitely went to those. I think I went out to Sullivan County a few times to uh, – Kutcher's and the Pines and the Concord. I don't recall ever getting to Grossinger's, the uh, the biggest and perhaps most famous of the Borscht Belt resorts. But uh, you know that that's where I lived. So, and there are a couple other smaller hotels outside of Bellville, a hotel called the Echo, up on the way to Ulster Heights, and we get up there sometimes. So, yeah, I got around and saw a bunch of these places. Excellent, excellent. Any um like. Cool memories, uh, of course. There, there's, there's great memories of the Borscht Belt. Now, everybody, like, just to, to get you a rundown of what the Borscht Belt was. This is basically, you know, not highways, but but roadways full of these resorts and just people loving the summer life, loving the the clean air of the the mountains, loving the greenery. Um, places of these had pools. They had tennis, like like what what Steve said, tennis courts, any place to play, baseball fields, golfing, everything. People would would flee from the city to come up here and have a, a good, laid back, relaxed time in the Catskills. I mean, they're not deep in the the, the places of the high peaks, but they're right on the foothills. They're enjoying the mountain air, and uh, it's just to, to hear these these stories of of the Borscht Belt and the. The resorts of the Borscht Belt, like what Steve said of, of Ellenville. You know, once once you go into Ellenville, you climb right up into those those cracks of the the gunks, and then you're up in the, the the mountains. So people would see this entryway and just be like, "Wow, this is like a portal to a whole other place." Especially the people coming from the city they they would just think of this as as kind of like a haven, you know. And uh, Steve, do you, any like like. Ex, like any any cool memories of of your your time in the Borscht Belt? Um, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, especially in the summer, these places were really quite busy. And when we, you know, we we're teenagers, you're living in the country, and you know, there's a lot of driving around and goofing around kind of activities. Um, certainly, and kind of leave it at that. But uh, you know, you know, going out of Ellenville, if you if you go west on uh, Route 52, and then a couple other roads, you you wind up at this place called Ulster Heights, which is 
sort of up in the hills west of Belleville. There are a bunch of bungalow colonies up that way, which you mentioned the bungalows in your introduction. And there was one that uh, my, my family, uh, friends of my family owned a bungalow colony up in Ulster Heights. So we would go up there a lot and, you know, they would have picnics and, and, and you know, and their whole bunch of families were all friendly. Um, so they would have some nice picnics and parties up there. We'd go up there and, you know, play softball and, and, and kick around and uh, barbecue and have fun like that. Some of the other, there were some other hotels in uh, bungalow colonies up uh, just just downstream from the Roundout Reservoir. There were a bunch up there on the Roundout Creek that way, some some small resorts and bungalows. And, and some of those in time turned into uh, specialty type of camps. There was a camp for like overweight kids. And, and when you're, you know, you'd go up there and, and see what was going on. There was another place. A lot of these places turned into religious, you know, ultra ultra orthodox religious uh, bungalows and hotels. So so there was that. So um, you know, as kids, you drive around, you do stuff, and, and you check it all out, and take it in. But mostly, you know, it was the hotels you worked at, the hotels your friends worked at, and you'd go like, you know, my buddy was a was a bellhop in Neville. And when we weren't working, we'd go over there and we'd hang out. We'd walk around to sort of the the, the back, uh, the nooks and crannies of the hotel and just kind of kick around and have some fun. When I was working at the Falls, they would come over to me, you know, working at the front desk late at night. They'd come over. We'd go down to the nightclub and listen to the comedians or or hear the band play in the uh, in the bar and stuff like that. So there's so a lot of that, a lot of drifting in and out and, and checking it all out. That's awesome. Um, I remember you saying there was a, you know, every, every night was, was a, a scene of entertainment. Like you said, the jazz, one of the times you said the jazz scene was really huge there. Um, like you just said, comedians were, were there. So uh, any, like uh, I'm trying to, to pinpoint like, like jazz was huge all around the, the, the resorts. Um, yeah. Well, you know, every, every hotel had a house band, right? So there were a lot of musicians in the area, you know, so, you know, you think about all the hotels that were in, in the Ellenville area, there were probably four or five in Monticello. There was probably another five in Liberty Tour. You know, so there's probably 20, 25 hotels uh, big enough to support their own house um, band. So so you add it all up, there's a pretty big scene of musicians. And, and I think most of these guys were rooted in jazz. While they were playing at the hotels, they were, they were playing like nightclub type of music, you know, that sort of. Borscht Belt or Vegas stuff that that you would hear sort of it, it was jet you know I, I knew it was jazz but it you know it wasn't hardcore like bop bebop and, and stuff like that jazz but it was it all had a jazz flavor and I think most of these guys were rooted in that type of music so it was fun you know I, you, they'd have a little combo at the pool and you go working during the day you go down there and listen to it or in the nightclub there was definitely a, a big band in the nightclub uh, supporting the singers, supporting the comedians, and then in the and then in the uh, bars, they would these same guys, you know, whether it was a five or a ten piece combo in the night in the uh, yeah the nightclub, I guess, where the the stage acts were, and then they'd go into a bar, and that ten piece combo would become you know a three or four piece combo, and so the music was really good, you know, it was just you know live music is great in general, if if in my opinion. And, uh, you know, it wasn't the rock and roll of the day, but it, but it was definitely rooted in jazz. And it, it was, as someone who grew up with that, and I you know, I was a musician as a kid and played in a jazz band in high school, so had some uh, interest in that music. I really enjoyed listening to these musicians playing at, at the hotels. Excellent. That's so cool. What did you, like, um, just to let, let everyone know, whoever's listening, <laughs> I always say that, whoever's listening, if anybody's listening. Whoever's out there. Um, so there, there's the, these hotels were, were massive, you know, just think of it like 1300 rooms and 3000 people, they were huge. And there was uh, other places. I go by a place in Stanford that, that was an old hotel, probably about 30 rooms. And it, I was just, I always, I always see these places and I wonder what they would look like back in it's, like they said, it's heyday back in the sixties and the forties, fifties, sixties, you know, what was kicking all these people playing around, um, Nowadays, what stinks is that these places are fenced up. They're run down. It seems like some of the places I've seen pictures, they just, it looks like they stopped everything and left. There's still beach chairs on the, the pools. There's still uh, like drawers sitting in there. There's still 
I remember seeing one picture of a uh, a dining room table with still the fabric cloth on it, which is absolutely insane. Um, I don't know what you experienced during that time because that was that was more the time when you were older and you got to to see that happening. Like like did it just like slowly decay or was it just like oh we're not going to come here anymore and just stop? Oh yeah, that that that's hard for me to answer because by the time I was. By the time I left the area, you know, I was working at the Falls View when I was in college, graduated college and moved to uh, the New York area. So so I kind of stopped living in Ellenville. And you could just see it declining year after year through the 80s. By the early 90s, I think it was kind of done. Um, I don't really recall exactly what year a place like the Neville closed. But I do know within the last probably five years, five to eight years, I Hiker, Steve, hiker photographer Steve slipped into the Neville, um <laughs> through the uh, actually the long path runs right past uh, runs right past the Neville, um up on the at the base of the uh, Schwanger Bridge on on an old roadway, the old uh, Route 52 roadway. So um, it's kind of funny the long path is rooted right through there. But you can kind of at least you know five years ago you can kind of slip down into the hotel grounds from there, which I did. And walked around and saw the place, and it, and it looks like you know one of those movies where where you know some alien invaded, and the whole place like frozen in time. And at a particular point, you know, there's 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 phones, there's phone books open, there's there's picture, you know, water pictures on on a uh, night table next to a bed, things like that, uh, glasses. Um, you know, it's like the, whatever the the scourge came, all the people disappeared, and everything was left standing where it was and the Neville especially looks like that and it, you know it's really sad it, it, you know and it's been vandalized and been raided over the years but it's kind of sad especially remembering how nice a place it was it was uh in its day it, it was the the honeymoon destination in the Borscht Belt it was um you know it was probably in the in the, the top tier the top three or four hotels in the Borscht Belt and they had really the nicest facilities the place was beautiful it um Really, really nice. And they always, you know, in in the 50s, they built one set of uh, hotel rooms. And it's real classic, like mid-century, modern type of architecture. And then in the 60s, they built the what they called the towers. It was the, you know, pretty much the iconic picture that Neville is, is that circular tower. And then in, in the uh, 70s, they built another section of, of uh, new convention space and hotel rooms. I think they were anticipating uh, casinos coming in at that time, and and they built a lot of space to to house a potential casino. To that point, when I was working at the Falls View, and this was late seventies, early eighties, um, there was a rally held up in Albany, and they they sent all the employees up to Albany by bus, and they gave us all box lunches, and you know it's nice like short line coach buses, and go up to Albany for. Uh, casinos mean jobs rally so you know we all i took my friends with me we went up there and just had a good old time in albany for the afternoon kind of walked around and got to a little bit of uh, mischief but uh it was pretty cool it was fun for us but you know they were really pushing hard for casino gambling as far back as the 70s so uh, it, and the other thing about the neville and the tower um in the 60s um ellenville built a new hospital our the congressman for for Ellenville was from Ellenville, and he arranged to have uh, President Lyndon Johnson come and dedicate the hospital. So um, the whole dedication is quite a big, big scene there. New York's two senators, Senator Javits, Senator uh, Robert Kennedy, uh, Congressman Resnick, President Johnson, they're all on the on the stage dedicating the hospital. And uh, President and Mrs. Johnson spent the night in the tower at the Neville. So so oh, wow. that was quite the big deal. And they had a, a plaque on the wall commemorating that. And, you know, that was pretty exciting when you're a kid growing up there. You go see the plaque. The president of the United States was here. So so that that's kind of the league that the Neville was in at the time, you know. So we, I, I remember us me talking about the, uh, the, the class levels. Um, what would you say the Neville was? Was the along the A, B, C, and D, you know? Yeah, that, that was an A, a, a tier Resort Neville, Concord, Grossinger's, maybe a couple others, Pines, Kutcher's, maybe. I'm, you know, I'm no expert. I, I sort of made that up. A, B, and C is to, to classify them. But uh, oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. The Neville was, it was, you know, it was among the cream of the crop, with right up there with the Concord and Grossinger's. Neville might have been number 
number three in the area, you know? Oh, wow. Excellent. To have that experience has got to be amazing. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm on the, the internet just looking at pictures of what it, what it is now and what it used to be that, that circular hotel place looks, looks amazing. Yeah. Um, just some of the stuff is just tops notch stuff. Like yeah. I just, I can't like people that are listening that these, these places, like, like, like I just said, they were top notch hotels. It's not like a, a holiday inn or something like that. This is high level stuff where you would go in and like, like Steve said, you would be we, instantly you would be served. It's almost like, I mean, people would experience this stuff when they go to an all-inclusive resort in the Caribbean, which is insane. Cause you don't, you don't get that many places in, in New York state and upstate New York. You, you oh God, I don't even think there's a, there's a place you can get kind of that level of service uh, anymore. Probably not even at the, the new casino place in the Catskills, but yeah. just these, these pictures and these, these experiences that I hear of, of what went on in the Borscht Belt is just, it puts a huge smile on my face. Like to have that in the Southern part of the Catskills in a small area to have all that joy and all that laughter and all those memories is just absolutely amazing. And like I said, the Borscht Belt just like, it was booming. Like Steve said, Steve said it was booming. You know, places would be filled on the weekends overflowing on the weekends and then all of a sudden you know the decay went slowly but also rapidly at the same time like all of a sudden these resorts are 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 done millions and millions of dollars which probably portray into billions of dollars these days are just abandoned and uh you know like i've I've, my friends has uh gotten onto some of the properties and he's shown me some pictures and it's just it's crazy to see how much was left left behind and crazy just to see, you know, these places like this, this, my friend like would see probably like one side of it. And he's like, I didn't even get to, you know, 95% of the rest of the property. And I'm just like, holy crap. That's these places were absolutely phenomenal, absolutely top notch stuff. And even, you know, when I drive by the places in the Catskills this day and age, like, um, like the Lexington, if anybody drives from Hunter into Westkill, Right along the Scaheri Creek, right when you cross over the bridge, is a little hotel called the Lexington. And I guarantee if there's not one person that goes over that bridge and doesn't see that place and wonder what it looked like in the uh, in the Borscht Belt era, in, in the era that it was kicking, uh, th- there's got to be something wrong with you because that looks like, th- like you, I remember Steve talking about this the other night that you said the sign is still up. The beautiful, the cool sign is still up there. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, a great old, it was at one time with a beautiful old neon sign, it looked like. And, uh, you know, the metal, the painted metal behind the neon is still there. But uh, you can see it was a beautiful, it was a beautiful place back in its day, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. and there's, there, there's places like that everywhere. I, I got to admit, I've seen places like that. There's there's one in Tannersville, I believe, right outside of Tannersville that's huge. Looks like it could hold at least, I, I would say, 100 rooms and it's it's just collapsing right now. Um, there's one in outside of Hockettsville, and outside of Hockett, there's there's a bunch that are are, are big area old resorts. There is some in um, in Fleischmann's actually that are, have been have been refurbished into Orthodox, I, I believe, ortho, ortho, like an Orthodox hotel. Correct? I think so. Yeah, and I think the Fleischmann's was the uh, Delaware County outpost of the Borscht Belt back in the day. Yeah. And, and when you're talking about old hotels, it, of course, uh, you can't forget the granddaddy of them all, the Catskill Mountain House uh, on the site of uh, North South Lake, you know, right there on the escarpment. That was uh, that was the, the big the big granddaddy of them all, I think. You know, oh, the, oh, yeah, definitely. A few others over there as well. Laurel House and, and a couple others, I think. Yeah, definitely. And what, what's funny, Steve, I don't know if, if you feel this the way I do, but like um, with the, with the recent stuff with COVID, you know, the past, that's two years, it's felt like um, almost like the, the era of the Borscht Belt has been redone. You know, everybody in the COVID times started coming up towards the Catskills. I remember seeing more and more city people coming up here, more and more places being bought and refurbished. And it's like the Catskills are coming alive, back alive a little bit. And uh, it reminded me of the Borscht Belt, you know, this decay happens 
and then all of a sudden it comes back to life a little bit. There's places that I've seen on decay ever since I started hiking here that have been rebuilt, like some houses that, you know, like I, I wish I could have bought when they were $30,000. And I was just like, I wasn't stupid, but I see these, these places and, you know, that are, are being brought back to life. And, you know, it, it stinks that, you know, people didn't do this, you know, five, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and they're doing it now when they're, they're like desperate to get out of the city to escape a, a, a nasty disease. And, uh, now these places are, are being rebuilt and it, and it puts a smile on my face. I'm just like, you know, finally people are discovering that the Catskills are absolutely stunning, that there's not just the Adirondacks or the whites or, yeah. you know, down South in the Virginians, the Shenandoahs, but the Catskills are right here. People drive by it every day to go up to the Adirondacks. And I have friends that have no clue about it. Never been in there, which is, I'm just like, you're, you're a moron. They're amazing. <laughs> The Catskills are definitely coming back. Uh, I see in Ellenville, there, especially this past summer, there's been a real uh, resurgence of, of new, you know, new young blood moving into town. A lot of you know people in their 30s, early 40s, moving there from Brooklyn and uh, establishing businesses. Uh, one of the old motels in the area was recently purchased, the Terrace Motel, and these folks have big plans to uh, renovate it and get it up and going. And uh, there's one. Another roadside motel in Kerhoxton that was purchased a couple of years ago and renovated, the Starlight. And they seem to be doing a nice, robust business, a modern, robust business with uh, with their little motel. So it's great to see. You know, there's definitely fresh blood and innovation and a few bucks coming into the area. So it's, it's a good thing. It's, it's definitely a great thing to see. I mean, I... I... I remember going into my, my favorite town is, is Tannersville. I just love that the place yeah. is popping with color, popping with with kindness and stuff. And I remember going there three years ago, and you know, so many places were were not open. You know, they were bought by some person, and a year later they would they would shut down because you know there's no there's no business or something. But I mean, I we need what I like to do during my time of the podcast and. You know, like I said, with with other stuff, I would like to get these places up and running again, get them killing. The Catskills need our tourism, and that's why the Catskills are alive because of tourism. There's no other – it's not like they can support a Walmart in there, or they don't want to, which is great. I think that's that's great. Once again, if, if you're in the towns, stop and get something to drink. Stop getting something to eat. Stop and buy a T-shirt. Stop and buy whatever you can. That's what supports those small Catskill towns. Uh just go ahead and do that. But so. Absolutely. I, I agree with that a hundred percent that, that tourism brings money in from outside of the area and, and you know, and, and the money keeps recirculating the local economy and it's a great thing. So I agree. Patronize the, uh, the small local merchants when you're in the area. Hell yeah. And that's, that's what we're going to actually go into our next topic is uh, Steve's photography business. Um, Steve is uh, one of the I would I would have to say one of the best photographers in the Catskill region, and uh, his his stuff has definitely brought some realism to people's eyes. Um, his photography is absolutely phenomenal. I think he's been almost everywhere. He's taken a picture of almost everything, and he has definitely the skills to show it off. And uh, so, Steve, let, let's talk about your your photography. Um, of course, your your Borschbell era got you into that. Let's talk about that. Um, yeah. Well, thanks for thanks for those uh, kind words. I really appreciate that. Yeah. So I started, as I said earlier, started taking pictures in the area as a kid, and then a lot of years just drifted off, not doing any photography, and sort of came back to it about you know twelve, fifteen years ago uh, with the advent of uh, good digital cameras. Um, I started returning to my roots in the Ellenville area and photographing these great places. A lot of places I knew as a kid growing up, I start, you know, started out photographing a lot of waterfalls. Um, as mentioned previously, the Ellenville area is just chock full of waterfalls and both coming out of both the Catskills and the Gunks. And in every waterfalls is, is a picture, a story to be told with a photo. From there, I branched out into, uh, I've always been a hiker since I was a kid and, and got into a lot of hiking photography. Really gravitating towards in one sense the scenic vistas where you get to a viewpoint and uh and take a nice panoramic picture and stitch together 
two, three, four, five images in, into a big, you know, sweeping 180 degree view from from east to west, for example. So, done a lot of those. Done a lot of those on my hikes in uh, pursuit of the Catskill 3500 Club uh, patch, which I completed that a couple of years ago. And almost every one of those mountains has a really, really good view somewhere. Um, but not just the scenic vistas too. You know, sometimes it's just a little piece of trail or a little piece of forest. I'm particularly attracted to uh, those big old white and yellow birches that that just to me totally evoke the artistry of the Hudson River School. And you look at the you know the the Thomas Cole paintings and and uh, some of those other paintings, and it just you know those old those old Catskill forests are amazing, and they're still out there. And when I see that, when I see a piece of the forest that, that brings that back to me, I, I definitely grab a photo of that and, and uh, share it. A lot of, a lot of this is, uh, a lot of the motivation for me is to bring these beautiful scenes out of the woods, out of the mountaintop, out of the deep valley, and, and put it up on the screen, put it online so people can just see how beautiful these places are, kind of, uh, kind of, like a travel agent, so to speak. I, I look at my work, you know, sort of I'm like the, the guy who, who does the work to get out to these places, takes the picture, tries to make it a good picture and brings it back to everyone to see because not everyone uh, wants to or can get out to these spots. So Definitely agree. That's a fun thing. I'm, I'm really happy and proud that a lot of my photography has been used to promote tourism in the Catskills. I've done a lot of work with... Uh, as both a volunteer and I guess sort of a professional, a lot of work with uh, Ulster County tourism and Hudson Valley tourism. A couple uh, Ulster County tourism travel guides have had my photos uh, on the cover. And probably since 2012, all the travel guides have been full of uh, my photos. So it's, it's really good to uh, help promote tourism in the region. Done a lot of work for uh, the Ellenville area. And in addition to that, Promoting tourism, I, I also like to promote uh, recreation, outdoor hiking, and uh, share a lot of my pictures with the Casco 3500 Club and a few other organizations. And then at its most important is conservation. Because if, if we don't keep these places uh, as they are and keep them nice, tourism will die out, recreation will die out. So uh, conservation is really, really important to me and have been fortunate and been able to do a lot of work with uh, Open Space Institute and the Trust for Public Land and Scenic Hudson and a few other organizations. So I kind of look at it uh, a bit of a travel agent, but photography for tourism, for recreation, and for conservation. That's kind of my mission, so to speak. Great job you have done. I, I enjoy seeing it every time and, and you know, I am also a photographer as well. It's not as professional as you, but I love, like you said, bringing that that feel that you have, the feeling, hopefully, to another person who cannot ever feel that. I was once, I can't, I can't say the words. Someone told me, you know, I would try to get out and try to get the places that I wanted to to see to other people. And one person told me one time, you know, like let's not do that. You know, we don't want to ruin these places. And um, you know, I I took that, I took that. And I was just like, okay, that, that's that's true. I want these places to myself. Um, that's a great idea. This is the Catskills. I don't want anybody to come here. And then all of a sudden, I, I started to realize, I'm like, wait a minute. I would like everybody to come here because I want them to experience how amazing the Catskills are. And why not do that through photography? Why not do that with amazing pictures of the the vistas that we get? Or like you said, the birch trees. Those birch trees, you can take a picture of that and it can show how old that is it's just it looks like an old i always say like an old witch or an old wizard just yeah. have, has his hands up there and and steve does an amazing job of capturing that time and moment and then giving it to the people i I've, i don't know how many times i've seen steve post something i'm just like damn he did it again i'm like it's just it's absolutely stunning and it just blows your mind away and like he said you know my, my parents would would never go to these vistas and I, I give these these pictures online to my, my parents and my mom's blown away every time. Same thing with, you know, elderly people or disabled people, you know, they, they'll never be able to experience this. So why keep this to ourselves? Why, uh, why hold these things back when we can share this with other people? And then 
as long as that time, like, like, like Steve does, you know, he helps through tourism. He promotes through Ulster County and, and Sullivan County and stuff like that. That's just, that's showing the people that a, the Catskills are there. B, he wants to conserve the Catskills and keep them the way they are. That's, that's 100% perfect to me. I think that's, that's the way to go. And he's doing it 100% perfectly. So Steve, I, I, I thank you for, for all that you do with that. That is the absolute pure definition of a photographer, what a photographer should be. It shouldn't be about likes or money. It should be about the places you love, conserving the places you love, and also promoting the areas around the places you love. So amazing. Once again, I remember in a, in a previous conversation we had, you talked about uh, going through the long path with Ken Prosner. Um, yeah. Yep. Um, that, that was a project. Um, I had done some work with Ken on some of the uh, trail runs he organized. And this was back around 2015, 2016. And so I started doing some work with him and, and that was sort of a, a sense of uh, photography for uh, recreation, as I mentioned earlier. And, and he organized couple of uh, trail runs up in the gunks and asked me to provide some photos for awards. So I got to know Ken that way. We established a nice relationship. And he proposed um, a photo exhibit to highlight the long path and, and said, hey, you know, maybe you're interested in doing this. I'm like, holy cow, what could be better? I'd count me in. I, I'm, I'm in on it. I, you know, I've been aware of the long path since I was a kid. I would love to do this. So, um, so we started working together. And we would hit various spots on the long path. And um, Ken, and Ken took me up to Twin and Indian Head Mountains. And those were really my first uh, Catskill high peaks in a long time. Years and years ago, I, I hiked a few of the high peaks, but nothing with like regularity or, or a mission to, to do anything other than take a hike. So we went to uh, Twin and Indian Head. And said, now this is great. I got some really nice photos for the long path exhibit. And then I started hitting some of the other high peaks uh, with myself. I took a few friends to uh, uh, slide Cornell and Wittenberg, for example. Uh, and then we did uh, Peak Moose and Table and Blackhead. There's a little piece of long path on Blackhead. So so did all these hikes uh, myself. I brought some friends along. I did. A, I think I did Blackhead with Ken, another friend of mine, and our dogs. And that, that was pretty cool, doing the whole uh, Blackhead range. But uh so then that led to, well, I have, let's see, I have seven or eight out of these 35 peaks done. I might as well do this. You know, I have a, I have a big birthday coming up. Let me get these done before, before the next birthday that ends in a zero comes along. So, so I set that as a goal and went out and, and tackled um, pretty much 2018 and 19, tackled the Catskill 3500. I was fortunate to have Ken as a hiking partner in a lot of those, especially the um, more challenging bushwhacks. He, he's a great, great guy to hike with. He's an incredible athlete, an incredibly interesting and smart guy, and very disciplined. And his athleticism and discipline has led him to become a barefoot hiker. So, so together, me and my hiking boots and Ken barefoot, we kind of uh, keep a common pace, except when he's uh, scrambling up a steep ascent and i'm a little bit behind him because he really is a super athlete and i'm just an average guy but the hikes are great the conversation is always interesting talking about a wide range of interesting topics and uh, ken's a heck of a guide and took me to some of the more challenging bushwhacks like lone and rocky and uh cheryl and uh north dome it's been a long yep. week um yeah so he you know took me to those and uh Fern Big Indian. That that Fern Big Indian, for whatever reason, um, was not my favorite hike. It was, it was, it was really wet and muggy, and and I, I was still wearing cotton clothes while I was hiking. And it was this time of year. It was like early September, so it was okay to be wet. It wasn't cold, but I, I was just drenched from the, the air was wet, the trees were wet, the leaves were wet. I uh, I ruined one of my lenses. It got wet and didn't work after that, so that kind of bummed me out. So. So that hike wasn't my favorite, but uh, boy, we did we did an awful lot of hikes together, and we put together a really nice photo exhibit, discovering the long path that uh, was on display at the New York, New Jersey Trail Conference headquarters, and then we took it on the road to various galleries and, and uh, 
libraries and places like that in the Hudson Valley. And I think we did make an impact in bringing visibility and interest to the long path. And, and you see now, a year or two later, um, a lot of people are hiking the long path. So, so I, I say uh, mission accomplished in that regard. Amazing. Um, for those who, who don't know, um, the long path is a 358-mile uh, uh, hike from Subway Station in New York City all the way to John Boyd Thatcher State Park near Albany. Travels through amazing remote areas. There's some road walking. There is some uh, amazing peaks in the Catskills that it goes over. It goes over the gunks. You know, amazing viewpoints. Secluded, definitely. Uh, I mean, 358 miles of yourself or some other person. Um, and there's, to be honest, I know a lot of people who, who help out during the, the long path and there's a lot of brotherhood, a lot of love, a lot of help uh, along with the, the locals. Um, I have some friends that live up, live up the, near uh, the Rensselaer area. And anytime people come through, you know, they're there with them or hike with them or give them trail magic. It's definitely an amazing uh, hike. I, I haven't been on, I haven't done the long path, of course, um, but from what I've heard, it is one hell of an experience. I know a lot of people who have done it, and it's changed them. And it's 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 an awesome check it out long path. Uh, check out Steve's photography on it, his his exhibits when they come around, or anything online. Um, definitely cool stuff. And Ken, I've never met Ken, but I've seen his his, his stuff on Facebook, and I can say is holy crap. <laughs> Yeah. hiking barefoot in yeah. the Catskills on, on bushwhack going up Friday in Balsam Cap is just absolutely insane. Yeah, the uh, that the the day we did Lone and Rocky that was pretty remarkable because you know as you know the you, you don't get out of that hike with without some blood somewhere, and he he did all that stuff barefoot pretty remarkable. But uh, getting back to the long path, it, it's it's really pretty cool. I mean, you know, it starts in the city. It goes up the Palisades from the Palisades. It goes to Harriman State Park from there. Um, there there's a long walk. It's kind of a lot of road walk across what they call the Great Valley, the, the Walk Hill Valley in Orange County, and then picks up the gunks and, and, and goes a, a big section of the gunks and then hits the Catskills just outside of Ellenville. And uh, there's a little waterfall just as you, you cross Route 209. And you start walking up this road and you're, you're in the Catskill foothills and there's a little waterfall right off the side of the road where, where the walk path is. And, and that was a favorite place uh, when we were in high school to go uh, skip school and take a swim. So I, I call that the welcome to the Catskills waterfall when you're, when you're doing the long path northbound. And then from there, it's, you know, miles and miles through the Catskills and, and then north to uh, Thatcher Park. Like you said, it's, it's pretty remarkable. And I'm happy to say I do maintain a, a mile of the long path uh, in the southern gunks. So a uh, little bit lax on keeping up with it currently, but I'll get out there and clean it up. It's it's not easy. People think that uh, think that taking care of a trail is easy, but it it also depends on where your your area is. I have a I also maintain a trail as well, and it's uh, it is an awesome hike to get to. But when you're hauling up sixty pounds of of, of crap to, to cut it down. And, you know, I, I maintain uh, between Camel's Hump and, and Thomas Cole. So there's that little flat stretch right there of overgrowing prickers and overgrowing ferns and stuff. I never want to cut the ferns down. I think ferns are beautiful and amazing to walk through. And the prickers, come on, you're just going to get bloody. Yeah. I, I've, I've, the, the funny thing is, is some of my SAR friends have complained about it. And I'm just like, okay. I'm like, you're carrying a 180 pound person. I'm just like, and you're complaining about a bunch of prickers. Stop. <laughs> but, but to all those trail maintainers and as well as you, Steve, thank you. Um, to be honest, the Catskills would not, the Catskills and any other place of hiking would probably not exist without you because volunteering is, is what keeps these places alive. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely everybody check out the long path. Awesome trail. One of the, the best in the East. I would have to say it's uh, definitely an amazing experience to go from the middle part of uh, Manhattan uh, in the city and then to get out in the middle of absolute nowhere. It's just amazing stories I've heard. And uh, you could probably look up a lot of blogs and a lot of vlogs and stuff. And I know a bunch of people. I know my friend Mo has done it. He did it for an actual fundraiser, which was pretty cool. So, And now um, Steve has his his exhibit. So uh, once again, 
thank you for doing all that you do. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'd have to say this, this concludes our, our session. Um, Steve, once again, thank you for, for, for joining me again, uh, for just uh, a reference to everybody. We had a little technical difficulties in the last recording and it, uh, it, it ruined everything. And I was, I was really, really pissed off, but Steve was very nice to come out again to talk about this and we got everything recording tonight. So we got everything going, but Steve, thank you for talking about the great Borscht belt and for talking about your amazing photography. Um, I said this in the last time and I'll say it again. You're one of the legends of the Catskills, best photographer in the Catskills. And if anybody hasn't seen his stuff, please go on the Facebook, check it out. Steve Aaron photography, amazing stuff about the Catskills, amazing pictures of the Catskills. One of the locals once again, um, so he's doing everything right, and he's doing everything perfect. So, Steve, thanks for joining us, man. Oh, Stash, thank you very much. That's, that's, that's a lot of nice stuff you said. And yeah, that thing about legend of the Catskills, that's, that's pretty heavy stuff. But it's, you know, we have two legends on, on this call tonight, and certainly all your work in trail maintenance and search and rescue and everything else you do for the Catskills, it, it's huge. And, you know, that, that, that's how we found each other on Facebook, the, all the good stuff you're doing and all the good stuff I'm doing. And, we're just two guys having fun doing it. So it's, it's pretty good. And uh, it's been a pleasure to be here tonight. And it was a pleasure to be here for our dress rehearsal the other day as well. So, <laughs> so thank you very much. I appreciate it. Anytime, Steve. Um, once again, uh, everybody, if uh, you'd be so kindful to subscribe on any one of the platforms that you use, uh, let me know through Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Uh, if you don't have uh, a platform that doesn't have it on there, let me know. I'll get it on there. Um, Spotify is the big one. Apple Podcast, I believe, or iTunes has it. Um, Anchor has it. I have them on every podcast that I could think of. Uh, so subscribe to that. And also uh, thank you to OER Outdoor Equipment Metals for hopefully sponsoring me in the future. My friend Brad is the SAR lieutenant, so he's, he's one of the big dogs. Uh, he said he might sponsor me. He might not. So hopefully he's listened to at least one of my episodes. Uh, he hasn't given me any feedback, so highly doubt he has. But uh, if he does sponsor, I'd like to thank him. Um, outdoor recruitment rentals. Check them out if you want some hardcore gear like Ike's Axes, uh, crampons, personal locator beacons, GPS systems, GoPros, uh, snowshoes. Where are they located? What's that? Where are they located? Uh, he is located in Goshen, New York. Okay. Yeah, yeah he's he he runs a personal business right outside of his house, and uh, the stories he tells me, uh, he's had personal locator beacons go off on Mount Washington, personal locator beacons go off over in uh, Colorado, and people are doing. Uh, he he usually sells to people that are doing uh, snowmobiling. Wow, yeah, definitely cool stuff to hear is his stories. So, if you need some awesome outdoor technical gear, contact uh, Outdoor Equipment Rentals. Uh, check them out online. But Steve, once again, thank you for, for joining me tonight on uh, Inside the Line, the Catskills in episode four. And uh, I'd like to thank uh, whoever's listening. Uh, thanks for listening and uh, have a good night. Have a good night, Steve. Okay, you too, Stash. Thanks a lot. It's great to be here. Thanks a lot, Steve. <laughs>